Happy Friday to you, North America. The mothership has connected. Welcome aboard. It's the four-hour satellite soiree. DA with you from the CBS Sports Radio studios in New York City. Broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border. Anchorage to Atlanta. Carlsbad to Camden. Kalamazoo and Waterloo. Hey, are on the air. They listening, D.A. Everything we saying, D.A. Everything. How we doing, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us. It is a Target Demo Friday. We will release the Kraken. We will hear from where you are and how you're listening and what your football food of the week is going to be this weekend, as per usual. But before we get to all of that, the song and dance that is a Friday during football season. Coming up this hour, sound check in 20 and your tasty top five college football games of the weekend in 40. Next hour, your football food of the week featuring Cyborg Mraz via Fat GPT. Also, in hour number three, Mike Lombardi, former NFL executive, now the host of the GM Shuffle Pod. And in hour four, is the Wizard of Odds. The Wizard of Odds coming off a perfect you see that zero in the record? Oh, yeah. That means the wizard is on a perfect plane right now after week number one. Oh, and four. Oh, and four. So, had you faded the wizard last week, you would have made buku bucks. I advise you to do it again this week. If the Wizard of Mans coming up in hour number four. Lots to get to. We begin last night, Thursday night football in Philadelphia, where the Eagles and Vikings went at it. It was the easiest thing to see from miles away. A Vikings team that played like garbage in week number one against the Buccaneers, along with a Kirk Cousins-led team in a primetime standalone game, losing on the road to a better team. That's exactly what happened. But, lo and behold, the Vikings actually made this a game late, could not close the door, committed a bunch of turnovers early, lost the turnover battle by a great margin, and ultimately falls 34-28. to which means the Eagles are 2-0. The Vikings are 0-2. But nobody could look at Philadelphia as one of the Super Bowl favorites across the entire NFL and say they have played like a Super Bowl team. They might be 2-0, but they have not played like the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles. Will they return to Super Bowl-caliber football, or is this going to be a season-long hangover in Philadelphia? It is where we begin. You're cold open. Third down and four. Into the gun is Hertz. Hertz is back. Hertz looks. Still looking. He is going deep for Smith, who has it. 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Devontae Smith, the bomb! I think, um... Everybody wants to make plays and everybody wants to contribute. Um, I have no worry about him, you know, and he's, he's, a, he's a great player, great teammate, great friend. And, um, we'll all do any, anything and everything we're winning in mind. I do know this about this team. They, they genuinely like being around each other and they genuinely, genuinely, you know, 
that one of their greatest motivation is not wanting to let each other down. Um, and so, you know, they want to make plays for each other. They want to do the right thing for each other. And I got no doubt that, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be in a good spot uh, tomorrow moving forward. Hurts calling for the ball. He gives it to Swift. Swift cuts back. He's in. Touchdown. The ugly Swift. Look at that shake. He's got such an amazing shake. He starts to the left, gives that little shake. He gets the defense going that direction. That little shake puts his foot in the ground north-south and into the end zone. It was pretty good. Yeah, he uh, he just showed a, a vision, explosiveness. Um, you know, I thought the offensive line did a phenomenal job of pushing them off the ball um, right there. And so was really um, – just really pleased that he protected the ball. Back goes Cousins. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. He steps forward. There are no seconds on the clock. As he throws a pop-up downfield, it's batted around. It's incomplete. The clock runs out, and the Eagles survive again. I'm putting a lot of blame on myself. Uh, of course, you know, being the captain of the team, uh, I have to know the situation, uh, take care of the ball. And, uh, you know, I was telling my teammates, you know, that was on me. And it won't happen again. I don't believe it. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. And Mike Quick on Eagles Radio. You heard Jalen Hurts talking about A.J. Brown and his frustration. Nick Sirianni as well. And Justin Jefferson, who lost... A fumble out the back of the end zone originally looked like maybe it was out of bounds before it crossed the pylon. Ended up coming back the other way for the Eagles. That's a crucial swing of points there. And looking at last night, the Eagles did not play their best football and walk away with another dub. And in week one in New England, did not play their best football and walked away with a dub, sensing a pattern here. I think you will see this a bunch of times this season, certainly early. Super Bowl hangovers are real. The Philadelphia Eagles losing a Super Bowl historically tells you that they will not get back there. And I weighed that before the season when I decided who I thought was getting to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And certainly we could get to an an NFC championship game, NFC divisional round, Eagles and Niners. Niners could beat them. Boom, you've got San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Instead, I took the Eagles, and this is why. There was a a drive last night that was kind of a must-have drive for Philadelphia. They were trailing 7-3, early in the second quarter, and they had gotten a bunch of fumbles from the Vikings who were very sloppy last night. They could only convert that into the one field goal. They stalled on one of the other drives. They missed that other field goal. And so they were trying to get traction, and the offense was was going nowhere. Early boos coming down for the crowd, which is just amazing. I mean, to me, you're, you're 12 minutes into your first home game, having come off of a Super Bowl appearance, You won week one, and you're getting booed at home. 12 minutes into your first home game, being booed. God love Philly. God love football season being back. I got such a good chuckle out of that. But there was a drive there where they took over on their own 25-yard line, and this was what the Eagles did. First and 10, DeAndre Swift for seven. 
second and three, Swift for three, first down. First down, Swift for a yard. Second and nine, Swift for six. Third and three, Swift for four, first down. Now you're near midfield. First and ten, Swift for three. Second and seven, Boston Scott for six. Third and short, Boston Scott for the first down. Now you're across midfield. First and ten, Jalen Hurts goes out of bounds after eight. Second and two, Boston Scott picks up the first down. First and ten from the Minnesota 28. Hurts throws incomplete. Second down, hits A.J. Brown for 11, move the chains. First and ten, Vikings 17-yard line. Swift for seven. Second down, Swift for five. Now you're first and goal from the five, and you punch it in on second down. Jalen Hurts goes up the middle, touchdown. It was a we know we're good enough to just put the hand in the dirt, move you out of the way, and pound you into submission for a touchdown. And that, to me, was the moment that I took away from last night and said, that's still the same team that went to the Super Bowl last year. They've got all the best talent on the field. That roster is ridiculous. They've just got to figure out how they're going to beat you and play cleaner football. They're still great. One of the best offensive lines in football. They racked up 209 rushing yards last night. DeAndre Swift had a buck 75. And on the outside, they hit the big play to Devontae Smith for the touchdown. But they've got maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the NFC. Maybe one of the best wide receiver tandems outside of Miami. I mean, A.J. Brennan, Devontae Smith, either one's going to kill you on any given play. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate finalist last year. Hasn't played like it yet this year. But I have a feeling he's going to figure it out. Good secondary. They were banged up last night. That team top to bottom, one of the best defensive lines in football. It's like, find a weakness. And their corners were out last night. Find a weakness. They're going to be fine. And the fact that they can walk out of the first two weeks of the season having not played their best football at 2-0 tells me they're just going to kind of be like the Patriots used to be. Remember, the Patriots knew at the end of the season they were going to win the division and go to the playoffs and probably go to an AFC championship game. So Bill used the first month as experiment. Will this work? We'll do this. And they never looked great and crisp and smooth. They just tinkered with things in the first month. And I think the Eagles will do the same thing. Sirianni's not Belichick. Hurts isn't Tom Brady. But this Eagles team has more talent than most of those Patriots teams did. I mean, again, find the weakness on the team. They're going to be fine. They have to guard against sloppy football and messing around with an opponent. And I think the Super Bowl hangover too. And they messed around with two opponents and they had to kind of like hold on for dear life at the end. But I'm not really worried. I'm not because that was a 20-point game at one point last night. It did not need to end up with a six-point win. It was 27-7 midway through the third quarter. That didn't need to be a close game last night. And if you're like me and lay the six and a half last night with the Eagles, you're a loser! That hook is going to kill you.
That's my new slogan. We're unkillable, and the hook is going to kill you. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. 855-212-4227. As we're off and running here on a Friday morning edition of The Da, also on Twitter, DA on CBS. When we come back here on the show, we've got Soundcheck, your best audio of the day. Travis Kelsey, rumored to be spending quality time mm-hmm. with Taylor Swift. His brother, Jason Kelsey, weighs in. Coming up next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. All right, welcome back. DA with you here on CBS Sports Radio. As always, you can listen to us on hundreds of affiliates nationwide, as well as Sirius XM Channel 158, and on your phone using the free Odyssey app or the free CBS Sports app. Soundcheck begins with the Zach Gelb Show, where former Dolphins linebacker Channing Crowder takes on Dak Prescott and unfulfilled expectations. I would pull Dak to the side. If I was in the locker room, my honest assessment of Dak is he's never going to win a Super Bowl. He's not good enough. I'm not a fan of Dak. I've been I've been saying it for years. He's going he's going to mess up in the big moments. But if I was if I was a Vander Esch, who plays my position, if I was a D-Law, if I was a Michael Parsons, who's a good friend of mine, I would invite him to a nice dinner. I would sit him down, Zach, and I would tell him, you're the problem of why we're not winning. <laughs> Crowder's amazing. I love the idea of a bunch of big, burly, aggressive defensive players inviting Dak Prescott over to their house for a nice dinner and then jumping him, basically. <laughs> we hate you. You're why we don't win anything. You suck. Food is family. I think there's a lot of blame, certainly, at Dak's for not elevating the team when it matters most, and that includes the last two playoff losses to the San Francisco 49ers. But let's not act as though the only problem on the Cowboys is Dak Prescott. I think it's a culture thing. I think it's a culture thing where, yes, Dak has come up small in some big spots, and your quarterback needs to be better there. At the same time, I don't think you can say that everything else is always airtight around the Cowboys. The culture is that they think and talk Super Bowls before they're worthy of that discussion. They have an owner that unnecessarily puts them in bizarre spots of controversy or distraction or discussion. And nothing will change because Jerry's still the owner. I love how, you know, you mentioned the, (laughs) they just jump them. Hey, Dak, why don't you come down to the country club we're all part of? Ninth green, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. We'll see you then. That's right. By the way, Zach Gelb posted that on social media. Got some good play, and somebody actually responded. The Twitter handle is I'm a Dak fan, so you would think it's biased, but there's a video, actually. I think it's at Cowboys training camp. Dak runs out, and lo and behold, Channing Crowder is there, daps him up, gives him a hug, so... Throwing a little shade, even mm, though he seemed to be boys. seemed to be a boy of him, a fan mm-hmm. of his. Interesting. Here is Zach Wilson 
Guys, did the Jets sign a backup quarterback yet? No. No, they apparently wanted to get Brett Rippon away from the yep. Rams because he knows Nate Hackett's system. But the Rams put him on their active roster because of Stetson Bennett going off. I saw that. But we're at Friday morning of game week, and the Jets don't have a second quarterback? No, they do. They have the guy that came from Green Bay, Tim Boyle. Oh, right. Okay. John so Doyle, they, whatever. They've got Boyle. Yeah, cousin they have, Tim. They have two, not three. They have Cousin Tim. Okay, so they have a backup. That's right. I forgot they had... Tim Boyle. Yeah, he's the le- he's the least remembered contingent that came with uh, Rodgers from Green Bay. Right, right, right. And also the least famous Boyle. There's Pat. Right. There's Daddy. Yeah, there's Boyle Seed. Bobby Boyle. Bobby Boyle. Yes. There's Boyle Seed. And then there's Tim, who's bringing up the rear as a backup quarterback. I would say even the hockey players, Dan Boyle and Brian Boyle, are more famous than Tim Boyle. You're right. right. Yeah, it's true. So here's Zach Wilson as he is now the starting quarterback on Sunday as the Jets travel to Dallas as nine-point dogs. One step at a time, one play at a time, and I think it's uh, trusting the guys around me. I think they've shown this past week you know, how explosive, how dynamic guys are, and um, relying on this good defense that we have, and um, I think it's going out there. Um, Taking it, like I said, one play at a time, trusting in my footwork, trusting in, you know, what the coach has been talking about, and, and you know, we'll go from there. He's going to get shredded on Sunday. Just absolutely torn bit from bit. It reminds me of those those old dolls, maybe from the 80s or something, where their arms were Velcroed and their legs were Velcroed and their head was Velcroed. So, like, it was meant for, I think, like, stress relief and so you could just tear their limbs and then reattach them that's going to be what happens to zach wilson on sunday they're just going to tear his arm off tear his leg off he'll be limping around as an amputee and then they'll just kind of stitch it back together and then he'll go out there next week and is this not the most predictable story arc jets lose aaron Rodgers within five seconds on monday night season's over jets fans panic collapse then talk themselves into Zach Wilson. Zach is our guy. We can win. Great defense. Game manager. Then they go to Dallas, lose by 28 points. Zach throws three <laughs> picks. And on Monday, I hate Zach Wilson. Season's over. We got to get somebody else. It is so obvious that this bandwagon that has added all these Jets fans over the course of this week, by Monday morning after watching Zach Wilson turn into a puddle in Dallas as Micah Parson rips him limb from limb, will quickly disband off of that wagon. And who cares about them? How about me? I've been banging the Zach Wilson drum all this week. Spare me Colt McCoy. Who needs Nick Foles? Let Zach Wilson ride. And then you remember it's Dallas this weekend. And the Chiefs in a couple of weekends. The Pats in between, so you know Belichick's going to cook up something special. He'll see ghosts. Um, Who have you been banging? So, yeah. The Zach Wilson drum. Drum. It's an expression. Welcome back, bro. Yeah, I just, you know, know, a certain radio station in a certain location is doing well because I know how the sauce is made, and I'm still getting angry at all the delusions that I've been hearing about how Zach's going to lead him to the playoffs and... Maybe it's just Jets fans. Hey, hey, they're going to play in January, bro. Yeah, maybe it's just Jets fans conjuring up fake, you know, optimism, which I guess you would do as a fan seeing what happened in that Monday night game against the Bills. But, D.A., you're right. He sucks. And nothing has changed from last year. And that Cowboys pass rush is going to annihilate him. When you say you know how the sauce is made, what do you mean? 
We I, are unkillable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that to conjure up feelings of, you know, disagreement and to get people all hopped up. Like any rational person would think, okay, the Jets defense was great last year. Sure, they've had, they probably have more talent on offense, but still, you can't win in the NFL without a quarterback. And I saw more than enough that I needed to see in that Monday night game to know that Zach Wilson is not a good NFL quarterback still. So, but does that mean Josh Allen's not? Uh, he had a bad, I mean, he had a terrible game. He also has a track record. He also has a track record that even when he does turn the ball over a lot, the Buffalo Bills are still more than good enough to be a playoff team. Well, we also have five years no, of Josh Allen of being a pretty good quarterback, and we have no evidence Zach Wilson will ever be a serviceable NFL QB. But there, there, there's a strange amount of people breaking down film telling us that Zach Wilson wasn't as bad I as know. Boyle says he was on Monday. On. Who? Who's saying these things? No one said he was great. But people pointing out that it was not necessarily terrible. The pick early he was threw bad. He straight up Matt Milano. I could have <laughs> yeah, made that same pass. That was one of his first. I mean, Jalen Hurts made a terrible throw last night. Bad throws happened. <laughs> Jalen yeah. Hurts also went no, to no, no, a no, Super I'm not, Bowl. Listen, all, all I'm saying is bad, one bad throw doesn't make a bad night. Correct. Yes. But, but if Jack does a bad update, nobody goes, well, yeah, Bogues once had a bad update. They go, all no. of your updates are bad. Hold on a second. Hold <laughs> great, on. Great analogy. Hold on. <laughs> Zach Wilson's a better quarterback than Jack is an update anchor. <laughs> wow. That's bold. Yeah. That might, that's Chris a hot take. That's actually the worst criticism anybody's ever levied against. <laughs> this person. <laughs> True. No, but the thing is, Bogues, despite, like, I couldn't tell you. It had to have been at least 10 to 12 plays, at least 10, where the pocket starts to crumble a little bit, and instead of staying in there and delivering a pass, he escapes. He, he, he escapes. Panics. He panics. Yeah, he panics and, just, and it's literally like college football junkyard ball where he just scrambles out, hopes somebody gets open, and then either throws it up for grabs or just tries to run and gets basically nothing. But if you think Colt McCoy would fare better on Sunday against Dallas, he, I, would. I, he wouldn't. Yes, he would. No, he wouldn't. I saw the style on you presented as if he had done anything spectacular. His last three games had one touchdown pass. Those are all he's against not... tremendous defenses with the Arizona Cardinals, who stink. He's new. He's doing no better. They're not coming any closer to winning on Sunday with anybody else playing quarterback. You're high. I'm not. <laughs> Wish I was, but I'm not. <laughs> finally. That'd be cooler. Finally. Travis Kelsey rumored to be connected spending quality time right now with taylor swift remember that the chief's tight end had tried to talk to taylor before one of her concerts she's affectionately known as tay tay to many of her fans he put his phone number on a bracelet and tried to pass it off to her but she was not talking to anybody before one of her big shows she's locked in she's totally got game face on but it seemed to work because now reportedly they're spending some time together here is the Eagles center, Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother. Jason, you talk about family, and my, my, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and she's a big fan of a certain pop star, and you have a family no, member, a brother, I yes, think. Yes, I think. Yeah. And I've been hearing rumors yes. that there's maybe talk. some stuff. Can you I, comment on this? I have seen these rumors. I cannot comment. Yeah, did them. You can't be right here. We're going to TMZ. What are we doing? It's for my daughter, okay? What are we doing? Ever since catching Kelsey, everybody has been infatuated with Travis's love life. So um, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, 
So, yeah, I know Trav is, is having fun, and uh, we'll see what happens with whoever he ends up. <laughs> I, also, I also work. Okay, so this is a really good clip. I'm glad we, we grabbed that. That is from Amazon Prime last night. You might be like, eh, we're bringing that up after a football game. However, that's Tony Gonzalez that asked that question. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing to ask a question about who your brother's dating during a post-game interview. However, the Kelsey brothers use their podcast to talk about personal stuff, life stuff, dating stuff, and it gets them a lot of notoriety. They parlay that into commercials, endorsements. Their mom is a Chunky Campbell Soup commercial, all this stuff. It has to be also free range if you get interviewed, that if you use your platform for all that goofiness, sometimes that goofiness you've got to be asked about. So I don't think TG was out of bounds because the Kelseys put them out there like that, put themselves out there. I, I don't even think that the Kelseys that put themselves out there to put that question in play. And my guess is that's not how they opened the segment, right? They didn't. No, they did A no. gap, B gap, 259 rushing yards. And then at the end, you throw that in there. You have to. It's too important of a story. It's too cool of a story. And... That panel is not there for X's and O's nonstop. They're there to have fun. That's a perfect question. In fact, I'd be disappointed if one of them didn't ask him about it. I, I would not have thought they would have asked Jason Kelsey. Now, Travis Kelsey, if the Chiefs played last night, I think that's... I would oh, have see, expected. I actually think that asking Jason's a safer space because he's one person removed. Uh, it's a little more intrusive to directly ask Travis about it. Right. I think. I love that the question was asked because... One way to make the NFL better and more entertaining and a little bit of reality TV spice to it. And I think that question does that. And, and as I said yesterday, I think that Travis Kelsey played chess as everybody else was playing checkers. He came off, as Boyle's dad might say, as a beta by putting his phone number on a bracelet and trying to pass it along to Taylor Swift. And she stiffed him, gave him the Heisman. Everybody looks at him as a dork. Like, oh, my God, how pathetic. That's so lame. And yet, by doing so, even though he got early stiff-armed, he took the L, it built him some equity. That story became big. He didn't run from it. He talked about it, meaning that it would get out there so that Taylor and her representatives would hear about it. Clearly, that got back to her. She became interested. Oh, maybe I should meet this guy then. And now it was enough. Like, you just wanted some personal time there. I think if you are, if you're, if you're playing out of your league, which Taylor Swift is, because I mean she's a global icon, and Travis Kelsey is, from an American domestic standpoint, is a star, but he's not anything like Taylor Swift. If you're gonna play out of your league, you've got to do something like this that's gonna catch the attention so that you get the one moment to get one on one with that person and try to win them over. And he did so by looking like a loser early, but getting that quality time late to then win her. You know, I heard you say that yesterday. I, it's hard for me to think that anybody would have the foresight to go, I'm going to win in the end here no matter what. Either she takes the bracelet on that, not an arrowhead, and things go from there, or the story spreads and one of her friends tells her about me. And then the, I, the strategy. Yeah, I, The I strategy, Jay, Travis Kelsey didn't go up to Taylor Swift at the ESPYs and and try to kick it to her. Yo, you know, I'm Kelsey. Check out my ring. What up? You want to go to the go to the club or whatever? Uh-uh. He took sensitive route. Okay? Bracelet, you know, phone number yeah. and tried to, like, 
get that thing, which is kind of a lame-o move. That's not a machismo. It's not like an alpha-type move. But he did that knowing if he's going to get the hook on Taylor Swift, it has to be something sensitive like that. And willing to take the L if it went public, and it did, and he, and he wore it. Like, how many of us would wear being stiffed if you were a celebrity by a, a woman? A lot of, like, alpha males will not admit that, that, oh, I could get any girl that I want. He wore it, and it made him look bad early. But he was willing to, and it paid dividends late. Okay, but you don't think that he was thinking, no matter what, like, I'm going to get the backdoor cover here, whether she, if she doesn't take the <laughs> bracelet, she's going to be told about the story and that's going to get me in that way. I don't think he could have guaranteed that, but okay. that was a potential positive outcome of this. Okay. I've enjoyed how you've broken this down. And I, I would say this. Ultimately, let's be honest. They're both trying to use each other for a little bit of extra fame and notoriety, right? But Taylor Swift doesn't need Travis Kelsey. She might not need Travis Kelsey, but think about it. How many alpha males listen to Taylor Swift? Wow, so you think she is leveraging his audience. She's leveraging the football fan base. Think about how many people see, how many Chiefs fans specifically that maybe not, you know, Taylor Swift seems like she's got a billion fans. Well, maybe she wants a billion more, right? So now you levy, you leverage the NFL fan base demographic. You pull in Kelsey. You make it think like, yeah, we got a little something going on. Chiefs fans, hey, we got Taylor Swift in our corner. You know what? I didn't like her. Now she's dating our star all-pro tight end. Okay, sure, I'll listen to some Taylor Swift. Boom, couple extra 100,000 fans there. Maybe football fans in general. They're like, oh, okay, she likes football guys. I only thought she liked skinny, you know, British actors or singers. <laughs> now I'm going to give her a chance. And meanwhile, Travis Kelsey, of course, he pulls in all the fan base from Taylor Swift. He does the friendship bracelet, right? He's, you know, puts on that sensitive side. It's he huge for him. He wears the L. He, he pulls in Taylor Swift fans. There's now a billion people that have now heard of Jason Kel or Travis Kelsey that have never heard of him before. There you go. Yeah, I live with two of them. My wife and my daughter didn't know who he was. Right. And then every the eight year old up. girl in America or the world now knows who Travis Kelsey is, and they're heartbroken if that's his her new boyfriend. Why would they be would they'll be heartbroken? Well, that's the thing here. Tony Gonzalez said in this interview or in that question, I need to know for my daughter. I think there's a lot of young girls out there that kind of envision this kind of princess lifestyle that Taylor Swift lives and wants the idea that she's dating other royalty so when it's one direction or it's actors like you're talking about i can see them in rom-coms and like that's they they don't they don't want her with some big ugly dude you know not that he's ugly but like you know just meathead yeah they don't want her with a meathead like now i'm not saying that he is but i think there's a lot of investment emotionally for young women of like well who's she dating and is is he good enough because her heart's been broken so many times yeah, he's got to, if this is real, he's got to be careful because if he messes this up, they're going to come for him and then she's going to write a song about That's it. That's right. Who is the tougher audience on social? Is it Swifties on the guy that breaks up with her, uh, of Taylor Swift, or is it the Jets fans crushing Mraz right now? Oh. <laughs> I think I think there's more Swifties. Still Swifties. The Swifties yeah. have numbers. Right. The Jets fans on Mraz have vitriol that <laughs> right. you cannot match. Anybody against Mraz right now has vitriol. Right. And are throwing every insult in the book. 
One guy by the name of Juan Pierre on Twitter. I've become uh, aware of his tweets at Mraz. Not the former Marlins no. speedster. Are we sure, though? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure because he said, oh, you live on Bayshore. Speaking of Long Island, he goes, I'll keep an eye out. So now Mraz is getting Jesus. threats by Juan Pierre. By Juan Pierre, of all people. Because he's telling the Jets their season's over. It couldn't have been Dontrell Willis. It had to be Juan Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> Bogues is a kind sir and has headlines. Uh, DA, if only the Vikings stopped doing this. Cousins is hit. The football is loose. It's picked up by the Eagles. And down to the five-yard line, it is Fletcher Cox. The ball was loose as he was hit, and Fletcher Cox. I've seen him run for a touchdown before, but this time he's seven yards short. It's okay, Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio. Jalen Hurt scored a few plays later, then a 63-yard strike to Devontae Smith for a 27-7 third-quarter lead, but only a 34-28 win for their Eagles on Thursday Night Football. Many would not go away, thanks in part to four touchdown throws from Kirk Cousins, almost making up for a quartet of fumbles. Shot ourselves in the foot with the turnovers. Um, similar story now the first two weeks in that in that case. I'm sure that's been said a lot to you guys now post-game, but it, it ought to be, and um, it's difficult to win in this league when you you know, lose a turnover battle by one, let alone by the margin we've lost it by. Seven lost fumbles so far this season for the Vikings. They are 0-2 since 1990. Only 11.5% of 0-2 teams went on to make the playoffs. The Eagles are 2-0, but had some splaining to do post-game after Hurts and A.J. Brown argued on the sideline at one point. Brown had just four catches. You heard Nick Sirianni in the cold open dismiss the drama post-game. Hurts did the same thing. Uh, so, yes, maybe Travis Kelsey has a new girlfriend. He definitely has that knee injury. The Chiefs tight end has practiced both days this week after missing their opener last week. The Steelers placing D lineman Cam Hayward on IR following groin surgery. He's reportedly out eight weeks. And Cowboys receiver Brandon Cooks in some doubt for Sunday with the Jets thanks to a reported mild MCL sprain. College football last night. Number 22, Miami steamrolled Bethune-Cookman, 48-7. I mean, that's the Thursday night game? On ACC Network. ESPN gave you Memphis holding off Navy, 28-24. Wow. In their AAC opener. I mean, now it's really like college football just punts on Thursday night football. Nobody wants to play because nobody watches that compared to the NFL. The Boston Red Sox have not won the World Series since 2018. They're not going to win it this year. So the five-year drought will be the longest in team history. Talk about a curse. But this is why Chief Baseball (laughs) Officer Heim Bloom was fired yesterday. Here's team president Sam Kennedy. We all know where we are in the standings. It's a painful reality that fans feel as deeply as we do. Our fans deserve a winning, competitive team that consistently plays postseason baseball. Yesterday's lunchtime announcement surprised most around baseball. It came before the Sox split two with the Yankees, a 5 nothing win in the afternoon, an 8-5 loss at night. Let's the- just do some quick math here. Please. The Red Sox drought was 86 years, the, the curse of the Bambino, before they won in 2004. If you say so. 86 years. No, that's right. Then they went 04 to 07 and won again. So that was a three year drought. Yes. Then they went 07 to 2013, six year drought. Yeah. Then 2013 to 2018, five year drought. And now they're in a five year drought. So they went 86 years, then three, six, five, five. 
I'm sorry. I only remembered the last one in 2018, so my bet on the math, that that lead into that clip was wrong about the longest in team history. My fault. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's what I thought. I should have done more research. Team history? I'm sorry. I've, I've missed a lot this week. I don't know what to tell you, Boyle. They had an 86-year curse. <laughs> when? Were you here for that? Yes. Well, Whatever. not here. Physically, alive, on planet Earth. Correct. I just brushed right past that. I didn't think Bogus makes mistakes. I guess five years is longer than 86. <laughs> I lived the five years. I barely remember the first that but 86 But they really one. spread these things out. It's been very nice for Red Sox fans. Very nice. Sorry to Heim Bloom, by the way. Still, unfortunately, lost his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rays began a four-game set in Baltimore with a 4-3 win. So they're now a game behind the O's in the AL East. And the Rangers a half game behind the Idol Astros in the West thanks to a 9-2 win in Toronto. That's a four-game sweep, a six-game win streak for Texas. The Jays now a game and a half behind the Mariners for the last AL wildcard spot. DA, back to you. Thank you, Bogues. When we come back on the show, taste the top five, your best, tastiest college football game for the weekend. I rank them. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Every week, D.A. gives you his most appetizing college football games. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. It's the Tasty Top 5. I'm tasty. All right, everybody. Welcome back. The D.A. show is available to watch every single day on YouTube, on Twitch, and at WatchDA.com. I'm going to tell you this right now. Guys, if you're wondering what Saturday of the college football season you can afford to miss... This is it. You want to go do something nice with the family tomorrow? Do it. Apple pick-in, pumpkin pick-in, Saturday soccer, rec league, football, whatever with the kids. Go out to David Buster's, get some pizza and wings. This is a pretty dreadful college football slate. To even find five tasty games was a struggle. We have not started most of conference play yet. And all of the good early season non-conference matchups have basically already happened. So, I say this with the advice. If you've got a honeydew list, got to clean the garage, got to make sure this, that, or the other things done with the lawn before the, the leaves start falling, do it tomorrow. Because there's nothing that you have to watch. We start with number five, the tastiest matchup of the weekend. It's in the Big Ten as Penn State number seven travels to Champaign, Illinois to take on the Fighting Illini. This is a 14-and-a-half-point spread as the Nittany Lions are favored by more than two touchdowns. It's a noon Eastern kick on Fox. The only reason that I put this on there is because James Franklin's Nittany Lions have a tendency to lose a bad game, usually in conference. And a Brett Bielema, Illinois team is never easy. They're going to try to play physical, slow it down. Sometimes that'll get into the Penn State heads. So watch out for this game maybe being a little bit of a struggle for Penn State. They're much better than Illinois, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is kind of an ugly Big Ten game on the road for the Nittany Lions. So there could be a little bit of drama in this. That's my number five. Number four is the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Colorado State traveling to Boulder to take on Colorado. That's where game day will be tomorrow, as well as the big noon pregame show on Fox as well. But Colorado's ranked number 18. They're a 24-point favorite. This is a late kick, 10 o'clock Eastern time at ESPN. 
We all assume that Colorado takes care of business early. If they don't, it'll be embarrassing because now they have a personal vendetta as well after Coach Norvell took a shot at Dion's glasses and hat. We'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show, but I fully expect the Buffaloes to romp. And so there's not going to be much of a game to watch, but because it's Colorado and because of the trash talk, we'll put it at number four. Number three is a sneaky good game because these two schools were Big 12 rivals for a long time before Mizzou left for the SEC. Summer 15, Kansas State traveling to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Tigers. That's a noon Eastern kick on SEC Network. K-State is a four-point favorite in this game. It's got Big 12 history. It's not far away of a drive for K-State fans to travel to go to Como, Columbia, Missouri. Great college town. And so there's vestiges of the past. This used to be a really fun rivalry and series. Missouri and Kansas obviously are border states. Uh, so it's maybe a three and a half hour drive between the two or so. So it's a it's a cool old school matchup. Love that they're playing against one another. Maybe not a lot of national juice, but should be a fun game. K-State's well coached. They're on the road at Mizzou. Make that number three. Number two on paper would have been a really cool non-conference matchup. Number eight, Washington traveling to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. But Mel Tucker now suspended. So they don't have their head coach to the sidelines. The number is huge. Michigan State is catching 16 and a half at home in this game. I also never put a number two tastiest game, which is broadcast on Peacock. But that's the case here this weekend. This is a Peacock game. 5 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Let's see how Michael Penix, a big-time quarterback for Washington, a West Coast team, Pac-12, does going on the road. That's my number two. Tasty. And my number one tastiest match of the weekend is, again, it's a, it's a ranked team against an unranked team, but it's got history. Tennessee, number 16, travels to the Swamp to take on Florida. 7 o'clock Eastern kick on ESPN. This will be the one game that I really need to sit down to watch start to finish, and luckily it happens at night. Tennessee, the six-point favorite. Last two years, Florida's put gobs of yards and points up on Tennessee, but the Vols are a much better team this year, and Billy Napier desperately needs a signature win. So that is my number one tastiest game. I'm tasty. Okay, boys, that's how we do it.